0: Last week, we started this message series called Fight. And here's the effort of the series. It is to look at the things that we must fight against that steal our affections for God and how we should look to the things that actually provide affection for God and how we can fight for those things. And if we're honest, those things are a fight because we are, we are presented with all kinds of things that are, that are lobbying for our affection. Focus here, focus here, focus here. And, we're tr- and it's, if we're not careful... We will give those things our affections. But if we looked at Colossians chapter three, and in so many ways, there are things that we have to fight against that are enemies of our affections. But over the next few weeks, what we're going to look at is what we need to be doing to fight for affection for God. What are the things that we can do that actually promote love for God in us? Now, certainly the list is not exhaustive. The things that we will talk about is not everything that you could do that would promote love for God. I just think that there are some main things that you ought to be doing that will stir up love for God in you whenever you feel dry, whenever it feels flat. You ought to go back to these things if you're away from these things to stir your soul up for love for God. And so we look at it in the the context of a relationship. And if you talk to people in the church, if you talk to people outside the church, they say, what makes a really good relationship? They may list a few things, but on probably, on every one of those lists, is you need to be able to listen. You have to be able to listen. You talk to people that are in the secular world or people that are in the church, they say, what makes a good marriage? Oh, you need to be a good listener. Maybe in in your world, maybe you can remember this from elementary school. Hey, you need to be a good listener because you have two ears and one mouth. Listening matters. Listening is important. And when it comes to our relationship with God, listening is important. And now the question that you might be asking that I hope that you're asking is, how do I hear from God? One of the primary ways that we hear from God is through the scriptures. That's why we call it the word of God. We don't call it that because like, man, this would sound really cool one day if we called it the word of God. Rather, we call it the word of God because it actually is God's word to us. It's the way in which we hear God speak. And so it's important that we press into this. This, for me, is almost the foundation for how we're going to fight for the things that stir up our affection for God. We cannot separate ourselves from the words of God and be stirred up with love for God. So we'll look at why that is in Second Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 14. Second Timothy 3, I'll read 14 through 17. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you had been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So the context of this chapter is this. Paul is writing to Timothy. Paul is On his way out of this world, writing to Timothy some final instructions for Timothy as a pastor, for Timothy as Timothy was Paul's child in the faith. That's how Paul would refer to him. And in chapter 3, what Paul is writing to Timothy about is how to stay faithful to God in an ever-changing culture. And he writes the first few verses, hey, stay away from these things. This is how the godless live. And then he gets to verse 14, but as for you... Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And it's in these verses that we find our first answer to this question, how does the Bible stir up affection for God in us? How does the Bible stir up love for God in us? The first thing we see in verse 14 and 15, the Bible is the way that we come to know God most fully. The Bible is the way that we come to know God most fully. You caught it in verse 15. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. That's talking about the scriptures. You've been acquainted with the sacred writings. And here's what they're able to do. Which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The Bible is the way we come to know God most fully. We You cannot know God apart from the word of God, and you certainly cannot love a God that you do not know. And the primary way that you're going to know him most fully is through the words of God. You cannot separate yourself from the Bible and be stirred up with love for God. Because this is where God speaks. God has inspired the scriptures through human authors by the power of his spirit and we call it the very words of God. If you worship with us on Sunday morning, we stand, we stand while the words of God are read. Why, why? Not because Brian is important, because we believe these are God's perfect words. We ought to stand in reverence of them while he speaks to us. You cannot separate yourself from the word of God and be stirred up with love for God because it's in the word of God that we come to know God most fully. It's in the word of God that we find out that there was a God who loved us so much so that seeing our rejection of him, he sent his son into the world to live perfectly where you and I were supposed to live perfectly, to die the death that you and I would rightly have died, but Jesus died in our place and to get up from the dead so that he would be the victorious king. And now he is the way to God. You know how you find that out? through the word of God. You don't know the gospel of God apart from the word of God. You might say in your brain, no, I heard this from so-and-so who spoke it. You know where they got it from someone else and from someone else who got it from the scripture. We cannot know God apart from the word of God. So how does the Bible stir us up for affection? How does the Bible stir up our affection for God or love for God? The first way is that we come to know God. The Bible is the way that we come to know God most fully. The second thing we find in verse 16. It says this all scripture is breathed out by God. The reason that the Bible serves our affection for God, the second reason is this, because the Bible is God speaking to us today. The scriptures, the, the Bible says about itself. All scripture Every bit of it, the totality of it, the thing that you hold in your hand that you call your Bible is breathed out by God. I thought, kid, I thought that it was just a bunch of dudes that sat down and wrote some things in their Bible. Check this out. This isn't going to be on the screen. This is just for free. 2 Peter chapter 1. This is Peter speaking about the word that he gets, and this is how he starts. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Peter saw Jesus walk the planet. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was born to him from the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. You know what he's talking about? The time in the the gospel accounts were on the Mount of Transfiguration where Jesus and his boys, these three guys go up on the Mount. Jesus starts glowing and the father speaks from heaven. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Peter in this moment is talking about that moment. We were there. We saw it. Verse 19. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. You know what Peter says? We saw Jesus transfigured on the mountain and the Father spoke from heaven. And You know what you have? You have the word of God. It's better. And we would do well to listen to it. Because it's not just some letters and historical accounts and Psalms and Proverbs that some dudes wrote down. But rather, God, by the inspiration of his spirit, carried them along and inspired their writing such that it's the very words of God. So when you hear the Bible spoken, you're hearing God speak. You're hearing God speak. So why how, or how does the Bible stir our affection for God? It's the way that we come to know God most fully, and it's because the Bible is God speaking. The third reason we see in the last half of verse 16 and then 17. I'll just start at the beginning of 16. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be equipped for every good Work. The last reason that the Bible stirs our affection for God is because the Bible does something in us when we read it. Every time we approach the Bible, the Bible does something in us when we read it. Did you catch what it said? It's profitable. Profitable for what? For teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Okay, so let's just break that down a little bit. The Bible is profitable for teaching, meaning the Bible tells us what to do. For reproof, the Bible tells us what not to do. For correction, the Bible tells us how to be restored to the truth when we have strayed from it. That's what's so great about this, right? It's not just, hey, do this, don't do this. Figure it out. But what happens when I, when I like blow it and like I do the thing that you told me not to do? God in his kindness has given us his word that corrects us over. It shows us the way to restoration. That's kindness. And finally, for training in righteousness, that when we approach the scriptures and we intake them and ingest them and read them over and over and over again, as we do so, we are made more like Jesus. We are made more like Jesus. The Bible does something every time we approach it. For what purpose? What does it say at the end? That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. It teaches, reproves, corrects, and trains for all for all for for this purpose, for equipping you to do what God calls you to do. So if you've ever felt called by God to do something that just fell outside of your ability, if you've ever thought in your brain, I think God is calling me to do fill in the blank, and it just seems way beyond my ability, you know where you're gonna get the equipping from to do what you need to do? From the words of God. You're gonna get them from the words of God. So we read the Bible and we fight. We fight for affection for God with the Bible because the Bible is the way that we know God most fully. It is God speaking and it does something every time we approach it and read it. Now here's the issue. For many of you, when it comes to reading the Bible, you may not admit this, you, you may not, but the reality is, is you don't know how to read the Bible. You think, are you telling me that I don't know how to read? No, I'm not telling you you don't know how to read. You know how to read. But for many of you, you you refuse to read the Bible because you're intimidated by the Bible. You think it's too hard, it's too confusing, it's too old, it's got big words, and I don't have a clue what's going on. And so for the next few moments, what I want to do is just provide you a way to approach the Bible and read it. So if you haven't written anything down and you have the ability to do so, you will want to write this down. Because if you, if you have a tool for you reading the Bible, stick with that. If you don't have a tool, mine's better than the one you have currently. You should leave here feeling confident that you can do this. How do we read the Bible? Okay, I'll just give you some hopefully clear and easy steps. First thing you need to know when it comes to reading the Bible. You need to approach the Bible with the right expectation. You need to approach the Bible with the right expectation. Here's the mistake that we often, I have often made. You approach the Bible like a lamp or like an eight ball. You're like, I've got these problems. Shake, shake, shake. Wind, turn the pages, let me read what's here. It better be magic and it better be inspirational and I better walk away crying because that's what has to happen if the Holy Spirit meets with you. Like you cry, that's what you do. And so you approach the Bible like it's this magical dust that you're gonna pour on yourself in Jesus' name and hope that everything changes. And then you read it and you walk away and you're like, so it wasn't magic dust. What's the deal? Here's why. The Bible is a book that's primarily not about you. The Bible is a book that is primarily about God and what God is doing throughout history and what God has done through his son to draw a people to himself. Does does the Bible speak about you if you're in Christ? Yes. Is the Bible primarily about you? No. And so if you come to the Bible thinking, what do you have for me today? Give me some kind of nugget. Like I just need to, just give me this whatever. You probably walk away disappointed because if you're approaching the Bible as if it's about you, you're approaching a book that isn't about you but rather it's about God and you will find yourself disappointed. So approach the Bible with the right expectation. It's about God primarily. And second, think about reading the Bible like this. This is not mine. This is from a lady named Jen Wilkin, and I think it's just so helpful. We can mistakenly think about Bible reading like this. I'm going to come to the Bible and swipe my debit card and get whatever nugget that I need for the day. Right? You know the, you have an understanding of what a debit card is, right? Yeah. I'm just going to come and swipe my Jesus debit card and get my little Jesus for these 15 to 30 minutes, and I'm just going to get the, "Mm, yes, the Lord, and walk away. Reading the Bible is more like a savings account. You consistently show up. and You consistently store those truths away. And the times where you get upside down and sideways and life gets bumpy, you know what happens? The truths of God that you've lodged in your heart and in your savings account day after day start to bubble out of you and you find comfort through the words of God that you have consistently showed up to soak in. Let's approach the Bible rightly because when we have the right expectation, we can enter in and consume it as it is meant to be. So we approach the Bible with the right expectation. The second thing we do to read the Bible, you ought to pray. You ought to pray prior to reading the Bible. You're like, aren't you supposed to pray after you read the Bible? Yeah, you could do that too. But you should pray before you read the Bible. You're like, what am I supposed to pray? If you don't know what you want to pray or what you ought to pray, you ought to pray Psalm 119.18. I have done this before. I got this from somebody else. So it's not that I'm like the most spiritual ever. I got this from somebody else. Psalm 119.18 says this, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. If you don't know what to pray before you read the Bible, you pray that. God, open my eyes and I may behold wondrous things from your law. What you're coming and doing is opening the Bible and saying to God, God, I want whatever you want. I want to see you as you have described yourself in the scriptures. Make me more like your son. So approach it with the right expectation and then pray. The third thing is this, when it comes to reading the Bible, you ought to read enough to get a full thought. Read enough of the Bible to get a full thought of what's going on. The biggest mistake that you can make is come and reading one verse and walking away. You're like, but like, yeah, I get the verse of the day on my phone. And that's like my thing. Look, I'm not like against the verse of the day. This isn't like kids revolt against the verse of the day. Here's the deal. If you only do verse of the day, you will find yourself confused about what's going on in the majority of the Bible. In fact, you might even find yourself confused about what the heck the verse of the day is about. Because believe it or not, the verse of the day is fit into a paragraph, which is fit into a chapter, which is fit into a book. And all of that has a context that you need to understand. So when you come to read the Bible, I'm not going to tell you how much you ought to read. But you ought to read enough to get a full thought. If you don't know this, I hope this is helpful for you. The Bible is made up of, of books that are different genres of literature. Do you understand what I mean by genres? Like different types of literature. Paul writes letters. James writes letters. The gospel accounts are like history. First and 2 Samuel, first and 2 Chronicles, those are history. Psalms are poetry. The prophets are different even. So you have to read those differently. You can come and read a letter from Paul and you can read a, a little chunk and get a clue what's going on. If you read four verses of a historical account in 2 Samuel, you are going to be lost. It's gonna be like, and Jehosadak shot his spear into the heart of him and the crowd roared. Oh my gosh. Why? Because it's telling a story. You would not open a book, read one sentence of a book that is a novel and think, I understand what's going on now. You would be lost. The same is true of the scripture. It is literature. It's okay for us to say that. So read enough of it to understand what's going on so that you can start to understand it rightly. So we approach it with the right expectation. We pray, we read enough of it to get a full thought of what's going on. Now, okay, we, we have read the Bible, Okay, How do I like tease out some kind of meaning, some kind of nugget that I can put in my pocket and be like, Jesus. First thing we're gonna do is this. We're going to observe. When you read the Bible, you're gonna read the text and you're gonna observe. What does that mean? You're gonna ask this question as you read the scripture. Whatever passage you're reading, you're gonna ask this question when you observe. What does this say? What does this say? And here's what I mean by that. What are the facts that are happening in this text? Whatever text that you're in, what does it say? What are the facts? Answer these questions. Who, what, where, when, why, and how? What are the facts? Don't move outside the text. Just stick to the facts. Who is writing? Paul is writing. Who is he writing to? The Galatians. Right? You're just answering things that are right out of the Bible. You would actually use the words of the text, who, what, where, when, and why, and how, and just use the words of the Bible to answer and observe things that are happening. That's all that you're doing. You're not moving outside the text. You're not the mistake that you'll make is you're going to read something and say, "Okay, so how does this apply to my life?" Slow down. Just observe what's going on here. What does it say? answer who, what, where, when, why, and how. After you have spent some time observing the Bible, whatever passage that you're in, you should move to interpretation. Go from observation to interpretation. Here's the question that you're answering. What does this mean? What does this mean? And here's here's the deal. Let's make this clear. The Bible cannot mean something today that it did not mean thousands of years ago. The meaning of the Bible has not changed. So the text that you were in cannot mean something to you that it did not mean to the author that wrote it. So when you start interpretation, you're just asking the question, what does this mean? What is the point that the author is trying to get across? As we look at Galatians 1, 1 John 1, Psalm 1, what is the point? What is the author trying to communicate? Because the Bible will not mean something that it has not ever meant. What does it mean? Interpretation. And finally, you're gonna move to everyone's favorite part. Application. What do I do? What does this have to do with my life? What do I do? There are some questions that you can ask to help you apply the Bible. The first is this, is there a command to obey? Is there something here that says, live this way? Is there a command to obey? Abstain from this, is there a command to obey? Second question, is there a prayer to pray? Do we find David or Paul or James or whomever praying? Can we model that as people of God? Is there a prayer to pray? Is there some kind of sin to avoid? Is there a way that we can avoid sin? And at the end of those things, those aren't the only questions, but they are some questions. Is there a command to obey? Is there a prayer to pray? Is there a sin to avoid? At the end of those, you ought to have an application. And that application should be specific and it should be measurable. What do I mean by that? So often we can read the Bible and this is what we'll do. My application is that I would just love everybody more. And then you walk away and you have no clue what that means. You're going to just love everybody more. And then you walk throughout your day and you have not thought once about loving everybody more. But let's just say it was love God, love people. Let's just say that you read that passage, the greatest commandment passage in the Gospels. And the overwhelming thought that you had in your, is that I need to love others well. Here's how you would apply that specifically and measurably. Name a person. And then how are you going to display love to them? That's application. It's specific and it's measurable. Because here's what would happen. You could tell me, you could say, hey, I read the scriptures today. This is what my application was, that I need to love others. Well, I'm gonna ask you, okay, who are you gonna love? How are you gonna love them? And when you tell me that, you know what I can do? The next day I can say, hey, did you love that person by doing what you said you'd do? That's real application. That's how we read the Bible and we see it affect our life. Because we're putting it into practice. And when we live God's way, what we will find is that God got it right. God got it right. We observe, we interpret, and we apply. So here's what we're going to do. Everybody turn to Psalm 1 in your Bible. You're gonna do this now. Psalm one. For the sake of our time together, let's just say we've already prayed prior to approaching the scriptures, right? And now what we're going to do is we're just going to read through the scriptures and then we're going to observe, we're going to interpret, and then we're going to apply. Here's what I need from you. I need you to interact with me. If I ask you for observations, don't be afraid to answer. This is where we get better at this, okay? This is the safest place to do this. If you don't answer, it will be extremely awkward for the next few minutes of your life. Cool? Cool. Let me read through this and then we're going to move through this together. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. What's the first thing that we're gonna do with this scripture? Observe, okay, and to observe is to do what? Just facts. So we're asking the question, what does this say? What are the facts? In fact, we have some questions to answer. What are they? Yep, who, what, where, when, why, and how. So you can just start shouting out observations. Okay, the righteous man is blessed. That's good. The wicked will perish. That's good. You're doing great. The righteous man is like trees planted by streams of water. Good. Their leaves won't wither. That's You guys are doing great. The righteous man and all that he does, he prospers. Yes. The wicked are like chaff. You guys are doing great. Yields fruit in seasons. What else? He meditates day and night. That's the righteous man meditates day and night. Okay, you're doing good. The wicked will not stand in judgment. That's right. You guys are observing good. Say it again. The way of the wicked leads to destruction. You guys are doing great. Look at this. Look at what you're doing. You're reading the Bible. (laughs) And you're doing a good job. Okay. Look, you you can do this. You can do this at your house by yourself. You can write things just like that. You're like, is it that easy? It is. Now, we're going to move from observation to interpretation. This is different, right? We went from what does it say to what's the question with interpretation? What does it mean? Now, we're not saying what does this mean for me, but what does it mean? And and the Bible cannot mean something today that what? That it didn't mean then, right? Okay. Okay. So, for the sake of us understanding with observation, what type of literature is the Psalms? Poetry, and in poetry, what kind of language are you going to get? Flowery language, maybe we can say it like this, meaning there's going to be a bunch of metaphors and similes, things aren't actually what they say they are, right? So, we've got that in our brains? Okay, so when we talk about interpretation, that will be helpful for us. The question with interpretation is what? What does it mean? What does it mean? Okay, let's start to interpret, we've gone from observation Let's now interpretation. This will be probably harder, and that's okay. What? Not quite. You're applying it. Back up. That's okay. Interpretation. What does it mean? Okay, that's good. Yes. Th- yes, that's right. Sorry? That's right. You're going to say something. You can go ahead. You're applying. Back up. You're ahead of me. You're do that's that's a right ap- application, but you're ahead of me. What else? Say that again. The righteous person has a strong foundation. That's exactly right. Yep. Okay, back up. Just won't back up. What else? What? Okay. What else? That's exactly right. Does anybody have the question? What is chaff? Yeah, guess what. Guess where that question would go. In what category that we provide? provided? Observation, interpretation, application. Where would that question go? It would go in interpretation. What does this mean? That's right, though. Okay. What else? Give me maybe one or two more interpretation. Yep. Okay. What else? One more thing. That's right. The righteous man is a tree in a good environment. Look at you guys. You've observed and you've interpreted. Look at what you're doing. Look at what you're doing. Okay. We're going to move to application now. Okay. We've observed. We've interpreted. Now we're going to apply. Remember. Okay. Remember. Remember. Applications have to be what? Specific and measurable. That's right. Specific and measurable. Specific and measurable. Great. Okay. Applications. Bring them on. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yep, and so the application would be what? Okay, and so how would you make that specific and measurable for you? For Just for the sake of the example. You don't actually have to like, we're not putting you on this. Like, just for the example, how would you do that? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> that's exactly right. You have made it specific and measurable. That's exactly right. One more, give me one more. Okay, how do you make that specific and measurable? Okay, so what are you going to do with your current friend group? Expel them all? (laughs) What are you going to do with your current friend group? Okay, you're going to assess them, right? Yep. That's right. And so maybe the application might be that you need to distance yourself from friends or maybe you just need to focus on those that are Christ followers. Look at me, look at me. You can do this. You just did this in a crowd. You can certainly do this at your kitchen table or in your bedroom or at Starbucks. I don't know where you're gonna do this. But check it out. You can do this. So if your your reason for not reading the scriptures has ever included, I don't know that I can understand the Bible, you just did it. You can do this. We need the words of God to fight for affections to be stirred up in us for God. We cannot be stirred up for God apart from the words of God.